Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. My guest today is Stephen Hayden. Stephen is the CEO and co-founder of Envision You, a nonprofit that works to improve the behavioral health outcomes for the LGBTQ plus community by addressing the disparities in care received. Stephen is a certified LGBTQ affirming therapist, a mental health first aid instructor, and public speaker on issues related to behavioral health concerns from the perspective of lived experience. Through Envision You, Stephen has helped lead an initiative to implement a multimedia public awareness campaign and no-cost virtual behavioral telehealth services to increase access to LGBTQ plus affirming care. Stephen, it's so nice to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Graham. It's really a pleasure to be with you and with your audience today. Thank you so much. Hey, you know, as we start out, let's let's just kind of start in a cornerstone type of a way. What brought you into this work of supporting members of the LGBTQ plus community, living with mental health and substance use disorders. And then how did that lead to your inspiration to create Envision You? Sure, so I had spent the bulk of my early career as a management consultant working in Washington, DC and New York, have my MBA from New York University. And, and while doing that work in a really stressful environment, I experienced my own mental health challenges, including debilitating depression, a substance use disorder. And I'm really grateful today to be alive and a suicide survivor. And so when my life returned to some normalcy and I started thinking about what was next in my life, I realized that continuing to do that work didn't make sense for me personally. And I also thought my story could potentially be of some benefit to other folks. So I went back to graduate school, got a social work degree. I ended up going to in Denver for a community mental health center. And it was that during that work, Graham, that you know I realized as a gay man who had had my own challenges with my mental health, recognized the, the prevalence of these concerns within the LGBTQ plus community, perhaps there was an opportunity to use my privilege in life to create an organization that could help others. I really like that. You know, one of the things I love about the podcast is there are times when our guests really lead with their own transparency and honesty. And I really appreciate coming out of the gate and being as transparent and honest. I, I think that's how we get to start talking, you know, in this field and to normalize and to universalize these ideas that these things are out there. People go through these things. May I ask if you're comfortable, what was it that helped you get through the depression, the substance use, the surviving the suicide? What was helpful to get through that time? Yeah, Graham, I remember a really pivotal moment in my own treatment. And so often in my early care, there was a focus on consequences. All the things that would continue to happen, life would get worse. And I remember meeting a psychotherapist who was really incredible and in having me rethink my future. And what he said to me is, Stephen, if you wake up tomorrow and you're not using, you're not strung out, you're not feeling incapable of getting out of bed, What's, what's life look like for you? And it was an incredible paradigm shift, right? Because okay. now we're talking about possibilities and opportunities and not consequences. It was so powerful. And I use that today in my own practice with the clients that I serve and it drives the work and envision you. I love that idea of, hey, what if, 
What if it could look differently? You know, Stephen, if we could kind of lean into your willingness to be as transparent as you are, give us some background that led to the depression being a part of your life, the substance use, you know, if we're using, we're usually not feeling, what, what are we trying not to feel? A lot of times suicide is, is about, I just don't want to be hurting anymore. That's all. I just want it to stop. What was going on in your life that created those experiences? Yes, Graham. So, I mean, it really started at an early age. And as you know, in your work and the work of so many people listening to the podcast today is those early family attachments. When that doesn't happen and you're not building any full connection with trusted adults, that starts to create a path for some complicated challenges in the future. And that was the case. I lived in a household with a mother who had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but also had issues with alcohol use. And so it was a really chaotic environment. And as I went off to college, not only did I have that background and those challenges, I was then also exploring my sexual orientation. And as a young man coming to age during the AIDS crisis, this idea that, you know, being gay potentially equaled getting HIV and eventually dying, there was a yeah. lot of emotional concerns around that as well. And then stepping into a really competitive environment as a management consultant in environments that are incredibly stressful. So I think all of these things combine to create, you know, higher levels of anxiety, certainly managing with some of the biological things that led to symptoms of depression. And as I was experiencing those things, Graham, you know, it was very easy for me to turn to alcohol and drugs as a way to escape those pressures. Right. And True. having sort of this perfectionist streak and always wanting to outperform other folks and then these yeah. other issues, it was a great escape. And as I was starting to, to, to increase my, my use of substances, as, as we know in our, our work, that that doesn't create a long term solution to those mm -hmm. problems and often mm -hmm. hinders and exacerbates them. And that was the case for me. And as I sought treatment for addiction, and, you know, went inpatient multiple times, kept coming out and relapsing. There was a point where, Graham, I had reached that, that, that place of hopelessness, that I didn't think it was possible for me to recover from, from addiction, and that I couldn't imagine a life mm. where I was just continuing to live in this very chaotic place. And so that's what led me to the decision, that, that really dark place in my life, that I felt that a better day was not ahead, and the only solution was to take my life. It was becoming hopeless. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. As you were sharing earlier, I appreciate that very much, sharing that with us. You were sharing earlier that you got together with a great therapist. It's not like you really pursued some of your work in a really earnest way that really changed the course that you were on, and it was helpful. You know, I know one of the things I mentioned in the introduction is that Envision You seeks to close some of the gaps in behavioral health outcomes for the LGBTQ plus individuals through co-creating just a number of things, community programming, advocacy, public awareness campaigns, evidence-based training, and a number of things. We're going to talk about that in our show today. But in your work in this community, share with us some of the gaps that you've seen and become aware of as folks, you know, pursue help in these areas. Sure. And so, yeah, just starting with greater need. So the community, because of a variety of issues, including discrimination, harassment, bullying, we know that young LGBTQ folks experience 
adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, at three to four times greater rates than cisgender straight kids do. And so with that really trauma, lack of strong family attachments, bullying that takes place so often in schools, these young people are set up for a lifetime of complications as it relates to not only their mental health and physical health. And then when you couple that with the fact that there's less access to affirming care, what I mean by that is no doubt that most people who are practitioners in this field want to do no harm. They have the best interests of their clients in mind. But I strongly believe in the research backs up that when you're working with people with marginalized and disadvantaged identities, that it does make sense to pursue some additional training in that space. And you know, frankly, most of our graduate school programs in counseling and social work, as well as psychology and, and psychiatry, don't focus enough on intersectionality and what it's like to show up with those multiple identities in a therapeutic space, being equipped as a mental health professional to deliver the best care possible. So, right, we've got higher need, less access to affirming care. You talk about that intersectionality, you're talking about the intersectionality of sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, and the geography of some folks. What is it that you see being the importance of the affirming care. And if you would go back and identify or define for us affirming care, that's what you're advocating here. Folks may be pursuing some additional training in affirming care, define that for us. So I, I think it starts with the fact that our clients should not be in a position of educating us on their identity, right? So it starts with having some of that foundational understanding of what it means to be a transgender person, a non-binary person, identifying as a gay person. And so, so that foundational understanding, making sure that we're using pronouns and the correct name. I think so often we see people whose legal name on an insurance card is very different than the one that they use. And so as providers to create that affirming space, we're using the right pronouns. We're using the name that the person's asked us to use. We have that baseline understanding of what it's like to be a person who is experiencing microaggressions throughout the day. There's an increased understanding and willingness to consider the, the, the political climate that LGBTQ folks are experiencing. This year alone, Graham, there's been more than 300 anti-LGBTQ laws and policies put forward and state legislatures around the United States. And when you consider that your identity, your gender identity, sexual orientation is being vilified and demonized by political leaders across the country, this is creating those unique stressors that are specific to people in our community. So to deliver affirming care, we start with those baseline understandings of the community, and then we take in sort of the meso and macro components that are impacting people's lives in ways that, frankly, most straight uh, cisgender folks don't experience. Yeah. As you're talking about seeking and pursuing mental health services, we know that in general, it's, we were just to say, you know, in terms of the general population, not the LGBTQ community per, per se, but just in the general population, that the data tells us that like one in six patients seeking services from a physician are likely to have a mental health illness. So it's pretty significant, like anxiety or depression. And, and the data also tells us that a physician, despite like you're saying, no matter how much they might care about their patients, only identify a mental health concern about 47% of the time. And they likely only note that about 33% of the time. And what that results in is that it leaves about 60% of those seeking treatment 
with not receiving any treatment, no medication, no therapy, no support. What is the feedback that you're receiving? In addition to what you're saying so far, any other feedback you're receiving from the community on their experiences, they pursue mental health. I read just one little area where a provider might even try to invalidate their identity, but what's their experience as they try and pursue healthcare and mental health care? Sure, yeah, you've touched on some really important data points. And so certainly we know the general population as a whole, about 20% have a diagnosable mental health condition. And within the LGBTQ plus community, those rates are even greater, two to three times greater rates of depression, anxiety, substance use disorders, eating disorders, et cetera, higher rates of suicidality within the community. And so, you know, for folks in the community, there's a number of things that are confronting them. So first, what's clear is there's a shortage of mental health professionals. So yes. greater needs, certainly COVID has revealed folks more willing to seek care than we had seen in the past. And there's just simply not enough providers. The other thing that we're seeing within the community is so often folks are underinsured or uninsured. And so the number of providers who accept Medicaid, who are providing sliding scale services is, is pretty reduced or, or limited. And so just contemplating the financial aspects of getting the care folks need, that can be a significant challenge okay. for folks. And then, you know, just navigating the process of finding a provider. And then yeah. once you connect with somebody, Graham, as you know, if that experience doesn't go well, folks not only don't return, but they're going right. to probably be unwilling to seek care from another provider. Right. So those needs go undressed. Yeah, that's helpful. You talked in, in answering that question, you talked about some of the prevalence of the experiences and that they have depression, anxiety, higher rates of suicidality, et cetera. I know that to better understand these issues, Envision You, in partnership with Omni Institute, there are an expert advisory group. You guys conducted a really cool statewide assessment in Colorado to document and understand the Colorado LGBTQ plus individuals' behavioral health needs and their experiences. And you guys paid particular attention to the intersectionality that we talked about before, the sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, and geography. Let's go back over some things that I really like our listeners, kind of general population, but also practitioners. Those folks in the in the in this community experiencing some higher mental health rates than the general population, depression, anxiety. Go back over some of those numbers for us, would you? Of course, Graham. And, and what I'll say to you is that while this research that was conducted by Omni Institute, a third-party research partner of ours, was specific to Colorado, the data actually mirrors that that we see from national organizations like the Trevor Project. So, you know, a few minutes ago, I talked about the prevalence of ACEs, adverse childhood experiences yes. within the community. And so what we saw is that nearly a quarter of respondents who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual had four or more ACEs. For transgender, non-binary individuals, it's more than 40% had four or more. Yeah. And as you know, and as the listeners know, that when you have that increased prevalence of, of trauma in your background, it increases the likelihood and risk for a number of, of serious health conditions, including heart disease, stroke, cancer, COPD, yeah. and diabetes. Additionally, what we found, which was related to that, of course, is that 43% of our respondents indicated living with a chronic illness. And that was a surprise to us that how significant both the correlation between mental health and physical health had on folks living with chronic illness. 
The prevalence of eating disorders was significant. One out of three of our respondents indicated that they had experienced an eating disorder disordered eating at some point in their adult life. So pretty significant there. High rates of suicide, as you mentioned, were prevalent. One out of two of our respondents said they had seriously considered suicide in their life, which is really a heartbreaking concern. That truly is. For folks that have, have thought about that. And then, you know, one out of four of our respondents indicated that in the past 30 days, a substance use had negatively impacted their life in some way. So yeah, we're looking at a, a, a number of different conditions and concerns impacting the community here in Colorado as well as across the country. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Nearly 9 in 10 registered voters believe the nation faces a mental health crisis, according to a new USA Today Suffolk University poll. Americans are more concerned than ever about their mental health. Mental Health First Aid provides the resources and training to identify, understand, and respond to signs of mental health and substance use challenges. It provides the confidence and skills needed to offer life-saving assistance, and it provides peace of mind. Our experts provide mental health first aid training for adults, teens, caregivers, veterans, law enforcement, EMS, and school faculty. Mental health concerns are on the rise, but evidence-based training through Mental Health First Aid can make a difference. Visit mentalhealthfirstaid.org to find a course near you or email hello at mentalhealthfirstaid.org to schedule a training. Courses are available for individuals, groups, organizations, and companies of all sizes. Visit mentalhealthfirstaid.org and make a difference in your community. Yeah, those are helpful. I think those just legitimize the things you're saying about the care being needed and the idea that there is care that can be provided and, and being able to try and find that, connect people with the right providers to address these things. These are very addressable things, depression, anxiety, the hopelessness you've described. These are things that through support and encouragement, in fact, maybe that kind of leads into this idea of, you know, the individual receiving support in, in, in the many ways that they can. And by developing, you know, a better understanding of one support systems, we can get an understanding of what they're experiencing. I was very impressed to see that at least for the Colorado folks, about 89, let's say 90% of the respondents agreed or strongly agreed that they felt people cared about them, which was important and, and really a nice finding. 67 felt that they were belonging to a community. What you said earlier is, you know, an important piece that that the failures of early attachments they really provide some challenges and yet there's also healing that can take place through later attachments in our lives through the individual and community support that folks can actually pursue and receive where are you seeing folks finding the best supports and how are they experiencing it i think you've touched on something that's really important which is the community is incredibly resilient and i think that's true for many people with intersecting and disadvantaged identities finding comfort and care within folks that share those identities. You've probably heard your listeners of the term chosen family. So while the biological family that we right. were raised in may have not produced ideal conditions, that as we grow older, we find people that are indeed our chosen family, the people yeah, that we spend holidays with, that care about us, or the people that we call when we're sick and need help. And so that's really an important part, finding community in celebrations like pride events and other things that bring together large numbers of folks with LGBTQ identities 
is really powerful to know that hey, I'm not alone, that there is a community, there's a celebration that takes place, which is really powerful, I think, to leading to improved outcomes and, and bolstering that sense of, of, of belonging that, um, you know, sadly, so many people might not experience in their small local world communities and places across the yeah, it's kind of our responsibility, isn't it, to go find families? It's it's part of, and I think working with a therapist to start, you know, a nice attachment, you know, very safe. There's 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 therapy is such a a safe and confidential and private place, and what a wonderful place to both heal, begin forming a healthy attachment, and then being able to generalize that outside more and more as one learns that they can be in in, in an attached relationship, maybe with an individual to start, and then maybe a larger population as it grows. And that chosen family can be such a healing place for folks at many levels. There's nothing like the changes that can take place in, you know, in groups, you know, you guys through Envision U do a number of really cool programs. I like to kind of just touch on those. You have a program that's taught about how to have the talk. You have one about the LGBTQ behavioral health training, mental health action toolkit. Talk about some of these and how you're implementing these to help folks that come into your program. Sure, Graham. Starting with our public awareness campaign called the How to Have the Talk about yeah. LGBTQ Mental Health, it really speaks to this idea of destigmatizing these conversations. We touched on that earlier in our conversation yeah. and, and just giving folks essentially talking points and some tips on how to engage folks who may be struggling. How do I initiate a conversation with a friend or family member that I know that you know is struggling in some way? And then being able to give that person resources to help yeah. in their journey, whatever that looks like. We're launching a program in, in October, which we're very excited about, called Q is for Questioning. And it's a program designed to help caregivers and parents of young LGBTQ youth. So if you have a young person that's coming out that's struggling with their identity as a parent, as a teacher, as a school psychologist, as a therapist, as an educator or family member, you want to create a space that's both affirming and loving that will help that child thrive and, and navigate those, those challenges that are, are so pervasive. And what we know, it is clear, one caring adult in a child's life changes the trajectory yeah. of, the, of the likelihood of significant mental health concerns. We've talked about the importance of, of creating an affirming space for healing for members of the community. And so two years ago, it was clear to us based on research and focus groups that we needed to develop a training program for mental health professionals. And in doing so, we brought together an advisory group of people to help inform that process. And that's really central, Graham, to how we create all of our programs at Envision U. We ask people from the community to come in, share their lived experience. We pay them for their time. In this case, it was mental health professionals, people with lived experience, and public health experts that helped create the framework and actually design, co-create the training program. So when we launched it, we were very confident there was going to meet the needs of professionals in working with this community. And as a result, we've now trained more than a thousand mental health professionals across the U.S. And really proud of the feedback that we get that it's leading to increased therapeutic alliance with clients. Yeah. They're seeing better outcomes with their patients and folks are just much more engaged in treatment because those are strong, affirming relationships that are happening in those therapeutic spaces. Yeah. On your website, you guys do a nice job of describing that this training program for those practitioners listening is designed to provide registered and licensed mental health clinicians, addiction counselors, certified peer specialists, and social workers, new skills, 
and critical knowledge that that really enhances, like Stephen's saying, the delivery of quality, culturally relevant, and affirming really behavioral health interventions for members of the LGBTQ community. So I, it's a it's some really cool things in that training process. You know, I know you guys also. I want to plug this for you guys. You guys have an app coming out. Give us the four one one on that coming up. Of course. Yeah, it's been amazing. I never thought that I would say that I'm involved in developing a <laughs> smartphone app. I'm still trying to navigate my smartphone. <laughs> right, um, the to turn it on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. the, the new update. But, <laughs> you know, what a couple things that really motivated my enthusiasm around doing this, not that the world needs another app, but what the world does need, what this community needs is an app that's tailored specifically for wellness and mental health of LGBTQ. So about two years ago, in my own life, just navigating the, you know, the, the hundreds of apps out there, it's like, where do I find meaningful connection with other folks who may be struggling, who are in recovery, who are looking for wellness tips? They're curated specifically for my identity. And what we know is that there isn't a product out there like that grim. And so since about mid-2020, we started engaging a series of focus groups with members of the community to ask them, you know, what could an app provide that would be yeah. meaningful? And so we've settled on three feature sets. One, you'll be able to access a directory of mental health professionals who vetted and have indicated that they have the ability to deliver that affirming care. You'll be able to access wellness content created yeah. by and for the community. And the last piece, which I think is really profound and is going to be incredible to the folks that that end up using our app is that you'll be able to build a peer network of people That's that really cool. share lived experience and identities as, as you so you flourish has been spun out from the nonprofit envision you it's a public benefit corporation based in colorado we're scheduled to launch the app nationally in march 2023 and as we start to build out that provider directory, hopefully your listeners will be interested in joining that You Flourish directory. We're very excited to be able to bring a product that's unique to the marketplace. And what we also are really excited about is the content is going to be evidence-based and rigorously reviewed to ensure that what we're offering is not just a place to hang out, but it's going to lead to improved outcomes in the folks that are using uh, you flourish. Really good. Congratulations on that. That's going to be fun to watch that come out in next March. Really good. Hey, you know, I know we're kind of turning a corner in terms of our time together today, and I would love our listeners to hear from you, maybe a story of someone who's come through your program, whether it's an individual or a family or some, some, some personal story of someone who being part of your program receives services that really help them in their walk in their life. You know, if, if I could, I've got two examples that come to mind. That'd be great. So there's a mental health professional who went through our training early on, and they work on the Southern Ute Reservation in Colorado. And they always felt like they were, you know, very welcoming and supportive ally to the community. But after taking our training, they realized really that disconnect from the skills that they were striving to have but didn't actually have because of the lack of training and education they received. And so the feedback that we heard from them over the course of months following the, the training they did with us 
is they were finally able to connect with members of the reservation in a way that they had never before been able to do. And so that two-spirit community on the reservation, members of the LGBTQ plus community were finally able to receive that high quality care that that practitioner was so committed to doing, right. just lacked the training to do so. So th those are those moments. That's that a great go, story. Yeah, you go home at night and you go, okay, we're, we're doing good stuff. Here. Yeah, so that, that that's the idea there when someone is earnest and doing good work, but allowing them to make their good better and their better best and, and really being effective. What's the second story? Yeah, of course. So, you know, we we recently encountered somebody at, at, at an event that we had done at a Pride event here in Denver that had come up and said, hey, you know, a friend of mine had had come across your How to Have the Talk campaign, had, had spent some time looking at, you know, the tips on how to engage in conversations about mental health. And I've been really struggling. I've been struggling with, you know, drinking too much. My life was was kind of a mess. And my friend had the courage to to come up to me and say, hey, oh, that's cool. things are, you know, things seem a little out of place for you. Things aren't what, you know, normally I, you know, would expect to see from you. Tell me what's going on. I care about you. You know, let's create a space to have that meaningful conversation. And so to hear this person, you know, a year later, share that story yeah. and what that motivated them to do is to start thinking about what recovery looked like for them. What steps mm -hmm. could they take to kind of change that that path that they were on. And so they were in a really great place. And I'm so grateful that that friend of theirs had the, the courage and the tools to have that conversation with their friend. What a change and how amazing that is that person's living the life that they want to live today because a friend reached out and said, I want to help and I care. What a cool story. You know, it's ideally when we're struggling, we get to stop and pause and ask ourselves or be asked by someone the very question that you were asked by your therapist, what if you woke up? And ideally what you've done is when people ask those questions now of themselves or someone poses it to them, envision you as right there ready for them to come into and to be walked through some of these things in a way that can be very therapeutic and very healing. So that's that's exciting. You know, as we close today, I'd, I'd love to have you give a message of hope to any listeners today that might be struggling with some of the things that we've talked about in this community. Leave us with something today that you'd like them to, to, to walk away with. Yeah, Graham. So, you know, as I've shared my own personal story, what I can say as a person in recovery today, I'm living a life that I'm, I'm proud of. I'm thriving in a way that I'm able to give back. And then the work that I do as a clinician and the work that we do at Envision U is holding out hope and possibility for folks that indeed recovery is possible, a better day is ahead. I think as I say those words out loud, I, I get goosebumps because I, I'm, I'm so glad to be alive. I'm so grateful to get to do this work and interact with an amazing community that has so many different and brilliant identities as part of sort of the LGBTQ plus spectrum. So for the person that's struggling, there is help out there. There is hope for a better day. There are people that care about you. There are mental health professionals that are standing by ready to help you in your journey. Just reach out and ask for it. That's really good. Well, Steve, you guys are clearly creating an authentic experience, you know, for the LGBTQ community and envision you, your voice is clearly leading with an authentic voice, you know, and creating a network of people with similar identities and 
along with some really great wellness content and some and, and some ways to equip and and help people through this process. So really nicely done. Congratulations on what you've created. Hey, Stephen, as we come to a close today, I would love our listeners to be able to follow up with you and envision you and find out all the resources. You guys have a great site. There's a really a variety of things you guys are providing, including a really great summary of the assessment that we talked about earlier on today about Omni and just getting a better perspective of what's happening in the community and some of the services that are there. So I would love folks to be able to follow up with you. Give us some information on how folks can connect with you and envision you. Instagram. Yeah, thanks. So folks are, we'd love for you to visit our website at Envision, E-N-B-I-S-I-O-N dash U, Y-O-U dot org. And on that website, as Graham mentioned, you're going to be able to find out more about our programs. You'll be able to access the research that we conducted with Omni Institute. Yes. You have a lot more insight into the concerns and challenges that members of the LGBTQ plus community are experiencing, as well as resources that should be helpful to clients that you're serving that have that LGBTQ plus community that are part of the community. The, the other opportunity here is to connect with you Flourish. So yes. as we have the opportunity to talk about the new app launching in spring of, of 2023, go to you Flourish should be able to learn more about the app. Find a number of resources there. We're going to be looking for folks to beta test and, right, and try good. the app before launch. And so please join the new Flourish Network. That's very exciting. Congrats again on that. So I really appreciate the time and with you today and the opportunity to talk about the work that we have underway here at Envision here. Yeah, it's been great to be with you as well. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining Stephen and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding this episode today, I want to remind you that it and its resources and all of our other shows can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. So check out our webpage, triadhq.com slash BHT, and explore our archive of podcasts and resource materials. Thanks again for being with us on the show, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.